This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Merry Christmas! My name is Kevin, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to start off our morning by praying. So would you join me? Let's pray. Let's encounter God together. Lord, we, uh, as a community, want to be people who don't miss you this Christmas season. Uh, We don't want the busyness of work or vacation or gifts or any of the things, meals, as good as all of those things can be, we don't want them to get in the way of missing you. We want to be like those shepherds who, uh, at your birth that night, who saw the star, who were aware that you were coming and went and sat at your feet. Lord, we run to you this morning. Would you awaken our senses to your reality, to your truth, to your love, to your birth, to your life, to your death, and uh, to that time that changed history when God raised you from the dead. He drew us to you. Lord, we're so excited about all that you are and all that you're doing. Would you meet us now? Amen. Man, I am so excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, We are one week away from Christmas, and it's just, it's the best time. It's the best time to remember uh, why we're here. We're here because there is uh, this God who came to earth to encounter us. We aren't here on our own initiative. Even if someone invited you and you think you just came on your own, you're not here on your own. You're here because there's a God that before you even uh, were cognitive of him, he drew you to himself. He brought you here, and he wants to meet you. Uh, we are in this amazing Christmas season, and like we do every week, we are remembering Jesus. Uh, we're remembering his birth, his life, uh, all that he is. Some years we do this special Christmas uh, series to remember that specifically. Other years we, we continue on in, in various series that we sense God leading us to that speak to Jesus' life in more of an indirect way. And this year we're starting this new series called Best Year Ever, which will take us right through Christmas. Next weekend we will uh, have an amazing Christmas Eve service and Sunday morning together Christmas service, which continues this series speaking to Jesus' birth and how he brings about this best year ever for us. Uh, I don't know about you, maybe one or two of you are in the same spot as me, uh, in two months I will be turning 30, uh, which is a big deal for me. So I not only have New Year's resolutions that I'm working through, but I also have this whole, like, well, I just finished my 20s, and now I'm starting my 30s. So what is this next 10 years going to look like for me, right? What has God done in the last 10 years, and what's he want to do in the next 10 years? Uh, It's interesting that it coincides with this new decade, right? 2011 through 2020, Uh, But I think all of us, whether you are like me and you're 29 sneaking into 30 or 39 sneaking into 40 or, uh, you know, the list goes on and on, 99 sneaking on to 100, wherever you find yourself this morning, uh, or or whether you're just looking at 2011, you know, in and of itself, we have this new year coming and with a new year brings resolutions. What am I going to do this year? How is this year going to be different than last year was? Uh, what am I going to change? What does God want to do? There are certain things in life that I don't love, and so we set up these resolutions to try something new, to start this new way of being, this new way of living, this new way of experiencing life. And if you're like me, you don't just stop there. You say, you know what? There are certain things in my life that I don't like, that I don't want, that I, that I would rather do without. 
So I'm going to change them this year. Uh, Maybe you have physical goals. You want to lose weight or gain muscle mass. Or maybe you have parenting goals. You know, I want to be a better parent as I go into this next year than I was in this past year. Uh, If you want your resolution to do anything, the next step is action, right? Make an action plan. Set up a plan to succeed. Because if you say, I just want to lose weight in 2011, uh, but you keep doing the same things. You eat the same foods. You don't exercise. Will you lose weight in 2011? Probably not. Unless you get the flu, then you'll lose it, but it'll come back. Or if you say, you know, I want to be, by the way, half of all Americans are on a diet right now. Um, so that speaks to the importance of, of sticking to it, right? Because we are not all, as a, as a culture, extremely, you know, skinny. We're not moving in that direction. And, um, so we have to have this plan, this resolution, and then we have to have action steps. What am I going to do to make it happen? Or with parenting, you know, what, I want to be a better parent for my daughter or my son, So we say these things as we come into the new year, but then if we don't do anything about it, do we become a better parent magically? No. We are the same parent we were. We are on this path, and if we don't change something, if we don't read more books about parenting or or join maybe a life group that that tackles that issue, if we don't engage on some things to become better parents, we'll just be the same parents. Uh, And so we set these resolutions, but they need to have action steps associated with them. And uh, God has resolutions for you as well. Uh, God wants... 2011 to be a year where he blesses you in amazing ways. That's God's resolution for you. God wants 2011 to be your best year ever. He doesn't want it to be worse than last year. Uh, Which raises the question, what do I think about God? But do you know that God actually wants next year to be better for you than this past year was? Do you believe that about God? Do you believe that God is good and loving and that he actually wants amazing things for you? God wants you to experience blessings in your life. Amazing blessings, abundant blessings. And I know that even when I bring up the idea of God wanting to bring blessings, it maybe raises some flags for some of us because we've had uh, televangelists tell us if we just send money, we'll get certain blessings. God will do these things. And so we kind of, we pull back. Does God really want to bring blessings? And what is a blessing? How do I know if God's blessing me? You know, if my kids do the dishes without complaining, is that a blessing? Is that a Christmas miracle? You know, what is that? Um, if I win the lottery, is that God blessing me? If I get a promotion, is that God blessing me? We have all these questions around what blessings are, but the truth is God wants to bless us, and so we need to know what God means by blessing. When Jesus talks about blessing in the New Testament, he uses this Greek word makarios, which means supremely happy. God wants you to be supremely happy in your life. Now, I want to give the caveat. Makarios does not mean supremely easy. God doesn't say that if you follow him, your life will be supremely easy. In fact, experiencing God's blessing in our life sometimes means we have to make difficult or awkward choices. Choices to do things that make our life harder, but speak to God's supreme happiness. That get us to the end game of God's blessings. And so we have to right now decide, do I want God's blessing in my life? Do I want my life to be supremely happy? Do I want this overarching knowledge and sense that God is with me? that God is guiding me, that God is carrying me, that no matter what happens this year, I can be more intimately connected to God than I was this past year. I can experience a supreme joy, a supreme happiness that comes from knowing God and loving God. As your pastor and as your friends, uh, and this whole staff team, really, our whole church staff has been praying, what does God want to do for us as we move into 2011? And the series came out of that. God wants to show us that he wants to bless us. God wants you to experience his blessing poured out in abundance in your life. That's our hope for you, is that you would experience God's makarios, God's supreme happiness, 
more today than you did yesterday and more tomorrow than you do today. But before we uh, get into this series, because it's going to be a three-week series, and we're going to lay out six things to help us experience God's blessings, two a week. But before we get into that, I want to share with you six facts about God's blessing. Uh, And you probably got a program when you came in, and there's some notes in there. You can pull those out. And actually, you want to fill those out because you don't want to feel bad later when I tell you a fact uh, about how often we forget things. So trust me, you want to fill this out. Uh, I'm warning you ahead of time so you don't feel guilty later on. You've been warned. Uh, Six facts about God's blessings. Before we get into this, did you know that you do not deserve God's blessing? We receive God's blessing as a gift of God's grace. We don't earn God's blessings. If we do the things that God calls us to, we aren't somehow uh, magically twisting God's arm and forcing God to bless us. So we need to know that from the beginning. We experience God's blessings because of God's grace. It's a gift from him and not something that we earn on our own. We follow God. We do what he says to do because that's right, because God has captured us with his love. And so the, the only thing we can do is follow, but we aren't somehow in some sort of bartering system with God. I'll do this if you bless me in that way. On the flip side, God enjoys blessing his children. God loves to bless you. You can't love without giving, and God wants to give his blessings to you because he loves you. Uh, I was thinking about it. If uh, 15 years from now, some guy comes up to me and says, you know what, I love your daughter. If 20 years from now, some guy comes up to me (laughs) and he says, you know what, I love your daughter. Uh, uh, She's just the best. I, I cannot imagine my life without her. I'll say, come back to me in five years. As I watch this guy, though, as he interacts with, with my daughter, uh, if he won't come to pick her up for a date because he doesn't want to spend the money on gas, or if he takes her out to dinner, but he says, you know, it's Dutch treat. I'm not going to pay for you because it's too expensive. McDonald's in the last 20 years has gone crazy up the roof, and I just, I can't afford it. If Christmas rolls around and he doesn't buy her any presents, am I going to believe that this guy really loves my wife, my daughter? <laughs> you better not. Am I going to believe this guy loves my daughter? No way. You can't love my daughter unless you give her things to show your love for her, right? Unless you do things to express your love. The Bible says that God loves you more than you could ever dream or imagine. You cannot even imagine God's love. The amount that you love your kids, God loves you more than that. And God wants to give you gifts because he loves you. He wants to bless you. Another thing we need to know about God's love is God promises to uh, bless us if we do what he says. So I just said a few minutes ago that we cannot twist God's arm to experience his blessing, but at the same time, we cannot expect God's blessing if we don't do what he says. There are 7,000 promises of God in the Bible, 7,000, and every one of them is conditional. If you do something, God will respond in this way. If you do this, God promises he'll do that. 7,000 times in the Bible, and every time... It's conditional. And so we need to remember that uh, God's blessings come if we follow. Not just every once in a while, but all the time. Look at what uh, the author says in Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is when the people are getting ready to go into the promised land that God has, has given to them. And he says to them, If you fully obey the Lord, your God, if you fully obey him, and carefully follow all of his commands that I give you today, the Lord will, your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. 
you'll be blessed. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, so your family will be blessed. The crops of your land, the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flock, your baskets and your kneading trough, they will be blessed. So economically, you will be blessed. The things you do will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee at you from seven directions. So even if we follow God, we'll still have enemies come against us. We'll still have hard things happen. But when they come, God will bless us because they will flee from us. The the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything that you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving you. See, God wants to pour out his blessings, not just in one area of our lives, but in every area of our lives. God wants our life to be marked by blessing. Why? Because the world will see us being blessed by God, and they will turn to God. They will want to know God because they see God pouring gifts out on his kids. God wants to bless you. Another thing we need to know about God's blessing, God blesses us so that we can bless others. We're going to talk more about this in a few weeks, but God does not bless us so that we sit on it. Uh, If you sit on God's blessings, you will have a cap and you cannot get more than a certain amount. That's just the way it is, and and we're going to talk about that. But God does not want you to sit on your blessings. Something else to know about blessings, they can be multi-generational. God can bless your kids through you. The Bible is pretty clear that both blessings and curses are multi-generational. We need to know that. Parents, we need to hear that. Both blessings and curses can go from generation to generation. Uh, After uh, Genesis 25 says, After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac. So there's an example of God blessing the next generation. On the same time, though, Abraham had this lying issue, which actually passed down to his son Isaac and down to Jacob and through the generation. So there was a curse as well. We have to choose in life blessings or curses. And it's very real. And the things that we do as adults affect the generations after us. Which do you want for your family? Do you want God's blessing or do you want curses? God's blessings can be multi-generational. And the last thing we need to know as we jump into this is that it's not too late to experience God's blessing in your life. I don't care if you're 29 or 290 I don't care what you've done. It is not too late to experience God's blessing in your life. Now, I want to give a caveat to that. You may have made choices in your life, and you have consequences to those. And you're going to have to walk through those, and God will walk through those with you. But that does not mean that you're doomed for the rest of your life to experience certain things. God can redeem, God can restore, God can heal, and God can bless. It's not too late. You might be saying, you don't know what I've done to my family and to my kids and to my coworkers with my finances. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. God can meet you in that point and move you forward. A great example is a guy named Job in the Bible. There's this whole book about this guy named Job. And in, in the beginning of Job's life, God blessed him in amazing ways. He prospered everything he had. And then about the middle of Job's life, uh, for reasons we aren't going to get into today, everything was taken away from him. Family all died, land taken away, crops taken away, everything. He had sores all over his body. Job was left basically in the pit of despair with nothing left. Through that process, though, God redeemed him. God restored him. And in Job 42, verse 12, uh, the author says that the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life even more than the former. 
So there's this guy that went from extreme high to extreme low. And then at the end, God actually made it better than it ever had been. You may be at a place of extreme high right now. You may be at a place of extreme low right now. Wherever you are, God wants to move it up. God wants to bless you if you follow after him. You're never too old to experience God's blessing. Uh, I hope if you're here today, uh, you're not thinking, man, the 80s. Those were the years. That was the best years of my life. I mean, the 80s were good years. Don't get me wrong. I was one to nine in those years. It was a good time. But it's not the best years of our life. The 90s, great years. MC Hammer, good times. Not the best years of your life. This next year could be the best year of your life. God has not put you out to pasture. God wants to do amazing things in your life this year, if you're open to it. So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about six overarching conditions that God gives. Now again, there are 7,000 promises of God in the Bible. If you do these things, you will experience certain outcomes. We're going to look at six. Uh, And and there are six things that, that are overarching over this whole thing. We're going to take two conditions each week. If we do these two things, then we will experience God's blessing. And they're big picture things. They're not small picture things. So I want you to get ready for it. Uh, God wants you to be able to say, it doesn't matter what happens a year from now, when we're standing here together, God wants you to be able to say, you know what? This has been the best year. This has been the best year of my life. I know God more intimately now than I ever have. I've experienced his power. I've experienced his love in amazing ways. I I can tell you personally from my life, this last year, 2010, has been one of the hardest years I've ever had. But it's been one of the best God has met me in incredible ways this year, and God wants to do that for you. I'm telling you as your friends, there's no better time than now to experience God's blessing in your life. So are you ready for this journey with me? All right. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. I'm telling you, it's going to be really exciting. And look at that. You already have the first uh, thing up on the screen. God will bless you if you meet with him daily. Now, please don't check out. If you've been a Christian for 10 years, Uh, or 20 years or 30 years, please don't check out because I talk to too many people who say, you know what? I've been a Christian for 30 years and I just struggle spending time with God daily. This is foundational to experience God's blessing. When I say meeting with God daily, I'm talking about reading your Bible, talking about meditating or saturating on the things of God. What's going on in your mind? What are you thinking about? What takes up your, your brain space and those few inches between your ears? I'm talking about engaging with God in prayer. Look at what the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. This is how the book of Psalms starts out. Blessed is the man who walks in the way of the Lord, who spends time with God daily, who meditates on God's word, who who lets it saturate into them. Whatever that man does, whatever that woman does, prospers in their life. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself, why is it important? to spend time with God daily? Because you've probably heard that it is important, that we should do it, that it's the right thing to do and a good thing to do, but do you ever ask yourself, why should I do it? That's a really important question. 
unless we, we really have our minds wrapped around the why, the what won't get us very far. We have to have a mind shift. Why is this so important? Why do I need to do this? And, and really, the most natural way I can answer that question is by talking about uh, a great piece of Americana known as Saved by the Bell. Uh, it really, it's the most natural way to talk about this idea. If you don't know Saved by the Bell, Saved by the Bell was a, a sitcom that started in the late 80s that followed a group of friends from elementary school up through junior high, high school, and college. Uh, I love Saved by the Bell. It was my intro into teen dramas. On Saturday mornings, my mom was vacuuming. I would watch Saved by the Bell. There was this character in Saved by the Bell, Zach Morris, and I wanted to be Zach Morris, right? He was the typical Southern California guy with blonde hair, and so I bleached my hair. It's very cool. Um, he had this great girlfriend, drove a Mustang, and, and, and it followed him through it. And I have seen every single Saved by the Bell episode. Every single one. You can quiz me. I can watch an episode and within two minutes tell you what happens. Uh, and that includes the college years, which were not very good, and uh, the wedding in Vegas special, and the Hawaii special. So please don't, you know, we can have some trivia. We can talk through it. But I really have. I've seen every one. It hooked me into teen life. It, it took me. It was my coming-of-age show. Uh, from Saved by the Bell, I went on to 90210, Beverly Hills, 90210. From Beverly Hills, 90210, I went on to Dawson's Creek. I know it was a step down, but that was the direction that I took. And that really led me into college. By the time I got to college, this thought crossed my mind. I said, you know, I said, God, I feel like my life is more like a teen drama than like the life that you called me to. It was this really interesting realization at like 19 or 20. My life has become the thing that I watch. My life has become the thing that I saturate my brain on. My life has become my Saturday morning teen sitcom. I have become Zach Morris and realized Zach Morris is not that great. Do you know what the average American Christian spends 10 minutes a day reading the Bible? The average American spends three hours a day watching TV. And, and before you get down on your kids, uh, adults on average watch twice as much TV as their teenage kids do. Think about that for a second. The thing that we saturate our brains on becomes our reality. Is, is, is media what you want your reality to be? This is the why question. Why do we spend time reading our Bible? Why do we spend time engaging with God? Because the thing that we saturate our minds on becomes our truth, becomes our reality. Jesus says that there's a thief. He's an enemy of God. He's an enemy of you. He came to kill and to steal and to destroy. He's the perverter of truth and he's the the prince of lies. And he wants to lie to you about what truth is. He wants to lie to you about what's real. He wants to lie to you about who you are and what you were created for. Is media the enemy of God? No, I'm not going to say that. Now, is it God's best friend? Probably not. Is it the enemy of God? No. Can the enemy use media to lie to you? If you saturate your brain on it? If it becomes your reality? How many of us have seen a show on, on you know, Thursday night and we think, man, that is what my, I want my family to be? That, they've got it figured out. I mean, if I could just live like that, I would be happy. Right? 90210, they know where it's at. <laughs> no, no, it's crazy. It's crazy. But the enemy, he uses media. He uses other things too. Uh, your family, those who, who you love, parents, um, 
Are your kids the enemy? No. I want to be quick to say that they're not. But have your kids ever said something that's just cut you to the core? And that defines you somehow? Or or have your parents, those of us who are are kids, either grown kids or young kids, have your parents ever said something to you that has cut you to the core and defined who you are? That's the enemy using those things to define your reality, to tell you who you are, to tell you you're not good enough. That's why it's so important to engage with God daily. See, God wants to define your reality. He wants to define you internally, and he wants to define you externally. Uh, Internally, God... Uh, wants to define you from the, from the top down and from the inside out. From the top down and the inside out. As opposed to the enemy who wants to define you from the outside in. The enemy wants you to look at the world around you that tells you you're not good enough and say, you know what, you're really not good enough. That defines me. I don't have the right clothes. I don't have the right hair. I don't have the right this or that. My family's not what that family is. And that defines us. And the enemy uses that to tell us lies. But God says, no, I want to define you. I want to tell you who you are. Do you know who you are? You're my child. I love you. I created you. I know you. You have a purpose in life. You have a vision that is bigger than you know right now. You're good enough the way you are. But when we spend 10 minutes with God and three hours watching TV, the voices get really loud on the outside. The voices that try to define us get really, really loud. And we find ourselves believing lies. Which voice do you want to listen to in 2011? Which voice? The voice of God that tells you who you are? Or the voice of the enemy that uses everything he can to lie to you? If you want to experience God's blessing, you need to listen to God's voice. God wants to define you externally too. Have you ever read the Bible and said, you know what? It can't mean that. I don't exactly know what it means, but it can't mean that because that is not the way the world works. You ever thought that? That's just not the way that the world works. Loving my enemy is not the way the world works. You're right. But who said we wanted to pattern our lives after the way the world works? I don't want to be at war with people personally in my own life. I want to love people. See, when we, when we read the Bible and we say that's not the way the world works, we're, we're butting heads against two voices. The voice of God, which wants to define the world outside of us, and the voice of the world on the outside, which is trying to define us. The question becomes again, which voice are you going to listen to? This is why this is so foundational. Spending God, time with God, reading your Bible, saturating on the things that you're learning and praying becomes the cornerstone of a blessed life. In chapter 12 of the book of Romans, Paul reminds us, he says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Don't mirror your life after the things of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I would add, Daily. Be transformed daily by the renewing of your minds. How do we do that? We get into God's word. It's the revealed truth of God. We have it right there on our desk. We have it on our iPhone. We have it on our computer. Just pull it up. So God wants to define us internally. And the second thing that God wants to do uh, as he defines us is the second condition to experience his blessing is that we actually do it. We actually live it out. 
I mentioned this earlier. There are 7,000 commands of God, and they are if-then statements. They're promises of God. You will get this if you do this. Look at what James says in chapter 1, verse 25. Whoever looks intently at the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, I love James. I love the book of James. It's one of my favorites in the Bible. And James just kind of throws it down. He's got this group of people, and they're Christians. They've begun to follow the way of God. But because they're doing that, they're experiencing economic persecution. They're experiencing sanctions. People aren't trading with them. Their businesses are going under. And because of that, some of the Christians are starting to uh, denounce God or at least rub the lines away on the things that God has said. They're starting to conform to the patterns of the world because it's making things easier for them. And so James says to him, he says, if you want to experience God's blessing, there are four things that you need to do. He says you need to look intently at the word of truth, look intently at the Bible. He says you need to continue to do what it says. He says whoever looks intently at the perfect law that gives freedom and does it, continues in it. Third thing he says is not forgetting what you've heard. You can't forget it. And then I love it. Just to reiterate, he says, but continues to do it. So anyone who looks at the word of God, does it, doesn't forget it, but continues to do it, that person will be blessed. By the way, that's why we take notes. I warned you. That's why we take notes in church. Because our brains are not as great as we think they are, and we forget 95% of the things we learn within 72 hours. We just do. So if I've said something that offends you today, hopefully that's part of the 95%. (laughs) Keep the part you like. That's why we write things down, so you can look back at it this week. That's why you take notes. That's why when you read your Bible, you write things that you learn down, because you will forget. He says, remember it and do it. Just knowing won't give us God's blessing. We could know the Bible frontwards and backwards. We could have it memorized, but if we just know it and don't do it, we will not experience it. And God wants you to experience it. If you've been around New Life for any period of time, uh, you know that at the end of every sermon we give next steps, application points. And that's going to do one of two things for you if you're in our community. You're either going to get really excited about it because you realize, man, this is how I grow in my faith as I take steps, or you're not going to do it and you're going to become frustrated with us. Why are they always telling me to do something new? Why do I always have to try something else? Why? It seems like there's just more and more stuff to do. The reason why we give application steps is because we want to cement it in your life. I don't, I don't preach just to make you laugh. Uh, the 10 of you who do laugh. I don't preach just to make you laugh. I preach because I want to see your life changed. I want to see God bless you. And God will bless you if you do what he says. And so every week we say, now go and do this thing. Go and do that thing. We just finished this series called Freedom, and it was all about forgiveness. You learned a lot about what the Bible says about forgiveness, but if you don't actually do it in your life, you will not experience God's blessing on those relationships. You'll still be in bondage. You'll still be angry. You'll still be hurt. Freedom comes when we actually do forgiveness, not when we learn about forgiveness. So as we close, I want to give some next steps. What can you do? How can you set up an action plan as we head into 2011? Well, the easiest thing to do is to set up a Bible reading plan. Set up a plan to read your Bible every day. Go to BibleGateway.com and you can click on reading plans. It couldn't be easier. On the left-hand column, it says reading plans. You click it. 
You can pick your reading plan. Read through the New Testament this year. Read through the Old and New Testament this year. Read through the Bible in chronological order. There's lots of options. All you have to do is click it, and it pulls up the reading for the day. If you don't have the internet and you want to go old school, go to a Christian bookstore and buy yourself a Bible this year. Say Merry Christmas, self. This is for you. Experience God's blessing in your life. So find your your Bible reading plan. And then the next thing I want to encourage you to do, and this is only if you want to experience God's blessing in your life. If you don't, then just ignore me. Uh, Seriously. Create a journal of the things that you're learning. Write it down. If you're a guy and you just think, you know what, journaling is for girls. I don't do that. Okay, take a piece of paper, tear it out of a journal, and write it down on there. Okay, write it down on your phone. Write it down somewhere. Okay, make it masculine for you guys, but write it down so you don't forget. The worst thing we can do is just read our Bible and then forget it. James says if you read the Word of God and forget it, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror and forgetting what you look like. That's crazy. So write it down so you don't forget. And then when God speaks to us, we need to put it in action. That's the last step. Put it in action. Do something with what God is showing you. When God reveals things to you, just do it. And on your Connect cards, if you want to pull those out, uh, we want to know what you're choosing to do, how you're choosing to uh, engage. We want to be praying for you as you take steps. And what you'll see on that bottom is, for the next 30 days, I'm going to put things into action that I learned. The reason why we picked 30 days is because after 30 days, things become a habit. We want this to be a habit in your life. So I encourage you to fill that out. Drop it in the baskets when we pass them in a few minutes. Let us know so we can pray for you. This is a spiritual endeavor. The first two keys to experiencing God's blessing in 2011 is that we would engage with God daily and that we would do the things that he says to do. If we do those things, I guarantee you will experience God more intimately. It will be an amazing year, and you'll be able to say, this is the best year I've ever had with God. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, would you uh, do an amazing work in us through these simple steps? We know that these are not hard. Uh, They require faith, faith that you will actually meet us, faith that you will actually do the things that you say, uh, faith that you will come through and you will bless as we meet with you. So would you give us the faith to actually take these steps and do it? Would you be defining who we are? We don't want to be defined by the world anymore. We want to be defined by you. Would you define us from the inside out and would you send us into this world to be people who are not conforming to the world, but are transforming the world as we encounter you. We are so excited to celebrate your birth this coming Saturday, Jesus. Would you use this week to build our anticipation towards that amazing day when history was changed forever? We love you, Lord. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.